الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد يقول الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن آياته أن خلق لكم من أنفسكم أزواجا لتسكنوا إليها وجعل بينكم مودة ورحمة إن في ذلك لآيات لقوم يتفكرون صدق الله العظيم أنرب العلماء respected elders and brothers, I think it's paramount to address the challenges facing newly wedded couples. And it's important to discuss here that what can they expect in the first few years of their marriage. And in my talk today, I want to highlight a number of issues that inshallah would help the newly married couples and they would be able to settle into their marriage. The first thing that I want to address today is there's a great need for education. There is this notion that put two people together, they'll figure it out. Life will teach them. They'll live happily ever after. There is this notion. But the reality is that as they get together, as the, the magic disappears, and as the honeymoon phase comes to an end, they are left startled. What's happened? How do we understand this relationship? How do we make it work? Where are we going wrong? What am I supposed to do? What is required of me? And these questions are glaring in their faces. And so you understand the need for education. Education will make them understand what they are experiencing in their marriage. Education will reduce the number of divorces in our community. Education will give you a better grip over your marriage and your relationship. And we acquire education in every field of life. When a person takes on a new job, he is given the know-how of the new work, how to operate in the new environment, what to do, what not to do. He is fully explained of what's expected of him as an employee in the company. He knows his role, he knows his function in the company. He knows where he fits in and he works diligently and he works his way up. A doctor cannot open his own practice without proper uh, experience. An engineer cannot open in his own company after he has studied until he doesn't go formal training. So we understand the need of education in every field of life. Marriage is no different. Marriage is no different. Being a qualified doctor or an expert alim or a hafif does not make you a successful husband. It doesn't come by default. There's a need for education. And as parents, we need to upskill our children as far as marriage is concerned. Alhamdulillah, through the Father and the grace of Allah, we prepare from the wedding dress, the wedding gown, to the hall, to the teaspoon. Alhamdulillah, that's good. That's as far as the wedding is concerned. But we also need to prepare our children as far as the marriage is concerned. 
My daughter, you are getting married. Do you know what to expect? My son, you are going to become a husband. Do you know what responsibility lies on your shoulder? And so there's a great need for education as far as marriage is concerned. And with proper education, they will able to handle the marriage better and things will make more sense to them. I understood this, I understood that. My expectations are no longer so high because I've been through formal training. When a person is traveling, let's say, for example, to Durban, as a friend, as a concerned colleague, you'll tell him, listen, take this route. And when you come to this toll gate, watch out, there's a camera there. And as you are traveling, here's a good pit stop. You can make salaya, you can get halal chows, everything, alhamdulillah, sorted out. There's uh, ablution facilities, everything. You must stop here, you must watch out there. Just watch out there, this is very risky. Now as you're starting your journey, you are planning yourself. You're already planning where you're going to stop. You know what to expect as you are going. The highs and the lows, the speed traps, uh, the traffic. You are keeping all that in mind because somebody has briefed you. So when you start your journey, you are at ease because you've got some understanding. Marriage is no different. We need to sit our children down. We need to tell them what to expect in their first few years of marriage. And if they are given the proper education and the proper upbringing, I promise you, marriage will really be marriage. And what Allah says in the Quran, that we have given you this union of nikah so that you may derive comfort from one another. How do you expect a person who is an amateur who does not know anything about driving, you put him in a driving seat and you tell him, drive. How do you expect a person to operate a vehicle when he's got no knowledge? And that's what we are doing with our children today. We're putting them in the hot seat, we're throwing them in the deep end, and we're saying, yeah, survive. With no education, with, not, with no support structures. And so people are struggling, and you see the statistics are so high, so many people are divorcing in the first two years of their marriage. Alhamdulillah, there are programs devised by the Islamic organizations as far as premarital counseling is concerned. In this program, they see the future spouses together and they explain to them that what you're going to go through in your different phases of your marriage. Make use of that. The second thing that the newly wedded couple needs to understand is that the first two years of their marriage is called the adjustment period. You've been living 20, 25, 26 years of your life on your own. You were fairly independent. You were not reporting to anyone. You were going out at any time. You were socializing, mixing, and having a good time. But now things have changed. It's no longer yourself in the marriage. You need to now adjust to somebody else. A person cannot be selfish. My needs, my friends, my job... My function, my events, my desires. No. That I needs to change into we. I need to now adjust with somebody else. I need to adjust to their temperament. I need to adjust to what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them angry. I need to understand my partner and accordingly I need to adjust. The Prophet of Allah had 11 wives. <coughs> He was able to adjust 
to each of his partner according to their temperament. Allahu Akbar. We expect our partners to adjust to our temperament. So if I like this, then this is what's going to happen. Finish. There's no second opinion to it. So the first two years is called the adjustment period. And it's not easy. Especially when that magic starts to dwindle after the honeymoon period. Now you get to see the true colors of your partner. And they call it, they call it the buyer's remorse. You know when you buy a vehicle for the first time, you, you're in doubt. Did I make the right choice? Is it the right vehicle? What if I have mechanical problems? But as you start using it, as you get used to the car, you say, no, this is the car. It's the right one. Likewise, in marriage, in your first two years, you're going to go through this phase where you're going to question yourself, have I made the right decision? You'll even ask your partner, do you think we did the right thing in marrying each other? 99% of people feel that they married the wrong person. It's natural. But as you get into your relationship, you find that things tend to settle and you get a grip over things. The first two years is also the most difficult period of your marriage. If you are able to pass the first two or three years of your marriage, then you are well settled and you are on your way to a good union, inshallah. So expect some bumpy rides. It's a roller coaster because all along you have been independent. Now suddenly you have to adjust with somebody else, their temperament, their way of doing things. A bigger family, a new structure, a new environment. So it's not easy to adapt overnight. Allow your partner that room to experiment and to figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Allow that period of adjustment to go through. And as you get to know each other, you see that I mustn't do this because it makes my partner angry. If I know that this, this will actually aggravate my partner, then I must stay away from it. We must also learn to be flexible. We can't be rigid that all along, this is how I did it in my father's house. This is how I've been brought up. Finish. You are living with somebody else. They are coming with a different understanding to life. And you are coming with a different understanding to life. There's going to be a clash. So there needs to be some compromise and try to figure out the third option. Take some from this side, some from this side, and work out the third formula. Part of the adjustment period, brothers and sisters in Islam, is that you will go through ups and downs in your marriages. Some days you'll be so happy, elated over the moon, and some days you'll be down and out, hitting rock bottom. But it's natural. Expect it. It's part of the phase. You'll get through it. It's not the end of the world. Alhamdulillah. The third aspect I want to discuss today for newly wedded couples is finances. There's a lot of friction when it comes to finances. And I must start off by saying that when you get married, don't expect your dream home to come and materialize in one day. It's not going to happen. And many people are starting off their marital life on a back foot. They are already in debt. You're supposed to be spending this time in getting to know each other. But now, you are more stressed out. Where am I going to pay this bill? Where am I going to pay for that furniture? How am I going to pay up for this? So what you need to understand as newly married couples is that that dream home will eventually come. 
Our parents never set up a luxurious home in one day. It took time. They stayed in a small place. They worked with whatever they had. And slowly, slowly, they built themselves up. But the couples today want to have the quick fix. They want the instant gratification. And when I enter my house, the end suite must be like this. I must have a granite table, etc., 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 etc. I must have it to the T. And so they incur unnecessary debts and they are already on the back foot. And because of that, there is friction in the house now. You are spending too much. Excuse me? You know? And the fight starts. So you need to be realistic. If you've got 20 things that you want to buy on your list, first ask yourself, from the 20 things, how many things are utmost of importance? How many things I require immediately? It's a stove, I need it. It's a microwave, I need it. I need a fridge immediately. But do I need other items which are not so necessary immediately? No. I need to make room for that. I'm not saying you mustn't buy it at all. I'm saying save up for it. Let's focus on what's important and settle down slowly into the marriage. So that's finances. And the people are very finicky about giving access to their partner about their finances. I mean, how can you live under one roof and not know what your, your partner's financial situation is like? And people complain about this. I don't know how much my husband is earning. I don't know. I've got no clue about his money also. Or sometimes it's the other way around. You are a team. You need to work together. There needs to be transparency in the relationship. If it's a joint income, you need to sit down and talk. How are we going to contribute towards the expenses of the house? What are you going to contribute towards? What am I going to contribute towards? Have an understanding. So finances becomes one of the tipping point in many marriages. Especially if there's a joint income. There are certain areas where you work together and there are certain areas where you give them full freedom. There's no accountability required in that regard. And that's how we manage our finances. The next thing that we need to understand in our marriage is that no marriage is free of trouble. And we must spell this out to our children. And I strongly believe we need to move away from the flowery talks at a time of nikah. The person who's officiating the nikah must be straightforward and frank. Because I believe if they can do this, it will reduce the number of divorce in our community. So away from the flowery talk and giving them what they're going to expect in the marriage. And we need to spell it out to them that, listen, marriage is not only about roses. There's the thorns also in the rose. You will have, you will have friction. Expect it, my son. Expect it, my daughter. So how are you going to handle yourself? And that's what we need to prepare our children for. You know, when you're taking off on a flight, what is the first thing they do? The procedure. In a case of emergency. In a case of emergency landing. This is what you need to do X, Y, and Z. Now imagine as a couple that's newly married and you're going on honeymoon. That's so awkward to listen to something like, what if the plane crashes? But you have to listen to it. It's protocol. And even if you're flying for the hundredth time, you still have to listen to that protocol. Exit to the right, exit to the left, etc., etc., etc. You have to go through the drill. 
because it's important. Likewise, when our children are married, we need to tell them, in a case of emergency, in a case of turbulence, what do you need to do? When a plane is moving smoothly, there's, there's no panic. The panic only comes when there's turbulence. Likewise, when the marriage is moving smoothly, alhamdulillah, there isn't much to worry. But it's time to worry when the things are getting difficult, when the going is getting difficult. That's where the education comes into play, where they need to understand how to communicate their troubles and what's bothering them and how to work their way out of the turbulence. So just like you have the oxygen mask that they tell you it will drop, and the life jacket which you must inflate, and the exit doors that they showed you. Likewise, in the marriage also, there are oxygen masks that will flow and will, will, will drop. Life jackets that will also be given to you in your marriage. And we need to use it as a community. And more important as parents, we play a very important role in uniting people. When there's trouble in a marriage, the first thing the father says, send my daughter home. Yeah, I don't need your money. I can look after her. She's not on the streets. But do something constructive about the problem. Problems doesn't mean that you end your marriage. Problems mean look for a solution in your marriage. So as a father and a mother, I need to divorce my emotions from the situation and look at the reality of the matter. And see how I can help my daughter or my, or my son re reunite. And how I can help them patch up. That's the role of the society at large. Unfortunately, many people are saying, yeah, just leave her, man. She's giving you so much of trouble. It's an uphill battle. Just, just leave her and carry on. Excuse me? For me to say that is, too, is very easy. I can split people up. I got nothing to lose. I go back home. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I've got a roof over my head. Alhamdulillah, I'm happy. But because of my words, what did I do to those people? Today they are separated. They are on the verge of divorce, custody battles, court cases, all because of my input. Can you see how important it is to choose our right, to choose our words correctly? Our job as a community and our job as colleagues and our job as parents is to unite people. Every marriage will have their problems. The best of human beings, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, also had problems in his home, but he didn't throw his marriage away. He worked with it. And so we need to work, help our children come closer. And I promise you, if the seniors in the community can play a more active role, you'll have less friction in the marriage. If we can sit our children down and try to look at the reality of the matter with emotions aside, and if we can help our children, we can save many marriages. We can save many marriages. The divorce rate will go down. I strongly believe that. And lastly, brothers and sisters, if the need comes to divorce, then there's ways to do it. You don't just do it haphazardly. You don't issue three divorces. You don't take matters in your own control. There's channels there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, if there's friction between husband and wife, the first thing, let them sort it out themselves. Sit down and iron out their issues and that's the first thing. Then the Quran says, 
If that is not possible, then choose a representative from her side and a representative from his side and let the seniors come together without emotions getting involved. Let them try and unite. And Allah says an amazing thing. If the parties are serious about reconciliation, Allah says, I will give them love again. I will give them muhabbat. Allah is the controller of the hearts. But we need to be genuine in our efforts. Thirdly, if that does not help, you go for counseling. And if after counseling, things are really not working out, then Islam also don't want you to stay together. You opt for divorce, but you go, through a, you go through a scholar and you ask him to annul the marriage for you by issuing one irrevocable talaq. You don't need three talaqs to end a marriage. Let's understand it. There's lots to lose. Children, custody, the well-being of your family, everything is at stake. When you're in that fit of moment, there's nothing that makes sense to you. But please, let's follow the proper processes. There's channels there. Likewise, when we are in an accident, we don't fix our car ourselves. Sometimes we require the panel beater, we take it there, he knocks it out, and our car is moving, alhamdulillah. Sometimes we require the mechanic, he takes out all the faults. Sometimes we require the electrician. Likewise, in the marriage also, there's a panel beater, there's a mechanic, there's an electrician. We need the help, we need the expertise. We don't sit at home and you start opening the bonnet and you say, okay, let me think. I think it's just a problem. You'll end up losing the engine. So there's no need to end matters on your own. Go for outside intervention. And that is not a sign of weakness. When you take your car to the mechanic, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of a person being wise. That he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to create further damage. And so he's asking somebody expert for the opinion. And to help him out. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Brothers and sisters in Islam. In a nutshell. There's a great need for education. And then I spoke about the importance of adjusting to one another. The third thing I spoke about is finances. The fourth thing I spoke about the role of society in saving the marriages. And the fifth thing I spoke about is that when there's trouble in a marriage. What are the procedures to follow in order to resolve the issues? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all our unions with khair and barakah.